And when you pray, in verse 5, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I have three points today. The first one is the purpose of prayer. Uh, next is going to be the obstacles of prayer. And then last is the power of prayer. So you got P-O-P. Come on. Hold it down. Hold it down. And then after I talk about all that, Perry's going to give us some practicals on, on how to pray. But first we're going to start with what is the, the purpose of prayer? And so I want to ask you guys, I want to open up for, for a moment. What do you guys think the purpose of prayer is? Draw you closer to God? Yeah, yeah it's a chance to communicate with God and align our hearts with uh, His. Okay, chance to communicate with God, align our hearts with His. And yeah. I think that um, prayer, like, you grow closer to God, and then also that's your opportunity to like, put everything on Him, like, you're supposed to lay our burdens on Him, and that's how you do it. Yeah, grow closer to God. Okay. Just get it out in the process. Get it out in the process. Yeah, I, I want all those things to be where my heart's at, but a lot of times it's like, it's just to make me feel better, or Preach to make me feel like I can do what I need to do. So that's honestly where I'm at. It's a way that we can thank God. way we can thank God? It's like, build like a, like a two-way street relationship. Okay, build like a two-way street. Okay, I heard a lot of uh, spiritual answers, some humble answers. Hey, you said, sometimes... I want that to be my part. I want it to be about getting closer to God. Sometimes, you know, it's just about feeling better. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that none of you said it's about looking spiritual. Or it's it's about, uh, you know, just kind of meeting some kind of mark that somebody else has set for me. Because this is interesting. Jesus says right here, he says, go into the room and close the door behind you. Meaning that when you go in there... Don't let anyone come in there and know that you're afraid. He wants you to be completely unseen. Yeah. And so you would never be able to mistake prayer for something that you do for other people. It is specifically about you and God. After reading this passage, I understand fully that the purpose of prayer is the intimacy with God. Oh. And intimacy is knowing Him. Yeah. Uh, I remember back when I was a freshman... Uh, my chemistry class, I wasn't doing so well. Uh, or there was a bunch of classes that I didn't do so well in. But I, I needed help because they were very difficult. And so at, at the University of South Carolina, they had what you call SI sessions. Uh, supplemental uh, instruction. There we go. And so when you went to those classes, you would be able to get some help. And the thing was is that my mom knew about all the SI sessions. And so she knew to ask me whether or not I went to them. Because she wanted to know whether or not I was making every effort yeah. to get the good grade. And the thing about it is, I knew I had to be at that SI session 
not only just because it has some good information and good stuff, but I didn't want my mom to ask me about whether or not I went to the SI session and I have to tell her no. Because mm -hmm. I knew immediately that would make me look bad. And I think sometimes we can treat prayer like an SI session. Yeah, um, is that the only reason why I want to pray to God is just so that when somebody asks me about it, I'll be able to say, yeah, I pray. But I, I want to pull you guys away from that. That is, this is not just a religious act. Um, and how do I know that? One, because it's... Scripture talks about not being seen by others, but also it is something that Jesus did. Yep. Jesus never did anything just to be doing it, just to be seen by others. But he did it for the glory of God and to know God deeper. You know, this is what this is what being a Christian is all about, right? The Bible says eternal life. Uh, this is eternal life that they may know you the one true God and your son Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Yes. And so as you think about, okay, when I, when I get ready to pray uh, or, or when I'm trying to increase my prayer lifestyle, I don't want you to think about other people. I don't want you to think about, okay, how am I going to look? Am I going to be more spiritual to others? Because clearly, as we see right here, as told by the scripture, what the Bible says, this is not about anybody else seeing you do this. This is strictly about you and God. And that's what Jesus wants to get across here. Is that he wants you to have a deep, intimate relationship with him. And prayer is going to be the quickest way uh, to that. Yep. Um, but not only that, prayer is going to be able to help you think about what God wants. Because we, when we wake up in the morning, we typically think about me, 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 I, I, I. Immediately, exactly what we want. And that's as told by the story in Genesis, Adam and Eve, we know that thinking about what we want immediately leads to destruction. And, and so I would just, uh, I would just encourage you with that. That prayer is going to keep you away from that, keep you away from only thinking about yourself. And you need to include God, like like the man was saying over here. You need to have that two-way street, like living a life where you're not continuously thinking about what God wants. Uh, how he thinks and how he feels, that's, that's just not the life you want to live. And uh, furthermore, it's, just, it's not the Christian life. Um, because becoming a Christian is about continuously considering God and exactly what he wants. So, alright, what are the obstacles to that? Okay, now, now the time to kind of talk about that. I want to give you guys a chance to, to think about what are some obstacles that, that you guys have for praying in your life, what kind of holds you back from really having an awesome prayer life? Laziness. Laziness, okay. Fear of the prayer not being answered. Yeah, I, I've had prayers in my life that I know are impactful, I know what it takes to, to get to a place that's like that. And sometimes I can be like, well, I just don't know why my prayer life isn't great. But I've experienced that before. I'm just undisciplined, uh, unwilling. Yeah, I'm willing to do what it takes. Okay, scared of what might be revealed. Uh, let, let's let's keep reading for a second. In verse nine, Jesus says, "This then is how you should pray: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Let's stop right there. Okay. So he says, this then is how you should pray. How you should pray. I don't think this is uh, an exact quote of what you should say every single time. Because we know that Jesus prayed prayers where these weren't his exact words. But I think it's talking about the heart. What is your heart when you come to God and speak to him? And this is interesting because he starts off with these two words, our Father. So the moment you start a prayer, you immediately acknowledge that you're talking to your Father in heaven. Okay? And so I think the quickest thing to kind of derail that kind of conversation and that kind of connection is if we are acting as though God is not our Father in heaven. If we are acting uh, as though we are not children of God. That means if we have deep, deep sin in our life, then immediately prayer becomes an awkward conversation for us. Uh, it, it's hard for us to, to really get in the mode of, okay, God's my Father. God's my Father. Like, I, I, I praise you. Hallow be your name. But then our life is not really praising the name of Jesus. Our life is not really praising the name of God. And so we feel a little bit uncomfortable. And so that kind of keeps us from wanting to really lean into God. Another obstacle. Okay, and think about, okay, hallowed be your name, right? In order to praise someone, you have to be in a very humble position. Humans struggle with humility. <laughs> so I think one of the things that can keep us from having an awesome prayer life is that we are not humble enough. We think that we can go about life and that it will just come to us, um, that we are strong enough, that we are spiritual enough. I think especially men, we want to do it on our own. Like we, we think of life as a weight room, that we're going to go in there. We don't need a spotter. We're just always strong enough. And the thing is... <laughs> The whole point of prayer, or, or the whole reason that prayer has been instituted uh, into the Christian life, is because you can't do it. Yeah. That you need humility more than you need anything else. Um, and the thing about it is, guys, is that it's just a Jesus characteristic. Um, like if you're going to get down on your knees and pray to God and say, hallowed be your name, you immediately become like Jesus in a moment like that you choose to humble yourself. You choose not to think so highly of yourself, but you choose to lift up the name of God. And that's what Jesus' entire life was about. And so we need to really fight for humility. Uh, somebody else talked about we, we fear that God may not give us what we want or that the prayer may not be answered. That's something that is a, is a struggle for me. A, a lot of the things that I, I would like to pray about, I always feel iffy because I'm like, okay, if God answered that prayer, I don't even know if I should have that. I don't even know if what I want, God should be giving to me. And so I just won't, won't pray at all. Um, and 
you know, whatever the request might be, or you might think the request is, is too big of a thing, like, oh, it's just so unrealistic. God's not going to give that to me. And the, and the thing is, uh, prayer is not about getting what you want. Um, if we keep reading, it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, if what you want is God's kingdom to reign and his will to be done, then your prayer most certainly will be answered. Amen. Um, and so I think that's how you, you fix that right there. That's how you overcome your obstacle is that you try, you try, you fight so hard, uh, you know, by reading the scriptures and really understanding the things of God. You fight so hard to make his desires your desires. And then when you're, when it comes down to praying, you will have no fear that, that God, you will have no fear that God won't uh, really do what he said he was going to do. You know, the, the things that he desires and the things that he wants, he most certainly is going to go after. That's why Jesus is telling you to say these words or to have this heart. He, he doesn't want you to pray in vain. That, that just wouldn't make sense. Because again, Jesus didn't do anything in vain. So these words will actually mean something. Your kingdom come, your, your will be done. And so I think the, the, the last uh, obstacle that, that we have is just kind of a lack of faith that maybe what this book says is true or that uh, it, it has any real effect in my life. That if I get down on my knees and pray, will there have any effect? And I'm here to tell you today that it most certainly will. Let's, let's turn to, to Luke 18. Preach it. I want you guys to pay close attention to this. In verse 1, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God, nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? An unjust judge has the wherewithal to grant justice to someone who's persistent. How much more than if you are persistent with God, who is just, how much more than will he grant his chosen ones justice? Think about that. Jesus asked the question, will he keep putting them off? 
Jesus is such a G because uh, like he really he really knows the art of asking a question uh, that you already know the answer to. <laughs> but there's power in that. Like when you think to yourself, okay, do I do I need to pray? Or, or, or will my will my prayer be answered? Well, ask yourself the question, will God be putting you off? But there's a caveat there. It, it says, it talks about justice. Will he not see that they get justice? Uh, if, if, if what you're wanting in, in your life uh, is not justice, if what you're asking of God is would not be just to you, uh, then I don't think God desires uh, to grant that for you. Uh, but most, most certainly, uh, if, if God sees uh, that, that you are in need of Him, it says that He will grant you justice. And it says He will do it quickly. Meaning He will not be slow in doing so. And then Jesus asks this question. But when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? Does Jesus, can Jesus find faith in you? In, in the way that you pray? In the next coming weeks, months, I want you to be thinking, thinking about that to yourself and thinking about your, your obstacles. Is your faith bigger than your obstacles when it comes to your prayer life? I, I want to, I want to know God, but I also want to be lazy. I want to know God, but I also want to give Him to my fear. That he won't answer my prayers. But will my faith be bigger than all of that? And man, if we push through, there's something amazing on the other side, okay? My, bringing me to my last point, the power of prayer. Let's turn to Ephesians 3. Come on.
Paul starts off, he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. And then at the end, he says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Think about that. I don't, I don't even know how to imagine, you know, what that means. Um, like, it's hard to really comprehend. But I think that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that Jesus' love, it surpasses knowledge. Like, you can't really understand it. So, if you want to think about how powerful a prayer can be, look at how Paul kneels before the Father. He, he gets down on his knees because he knows that God is the only one that can change, change someone's heart. God is the only one that can allow someone to know and understand and grasp how deep and how wide and how high the love of Christ is. That us and all others may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what God wants from us in our lives. That our prayers have been ordained to be the means by which men will know the love of Christ. That right there is the power of prayer. That this world needs the love of Christ. And God has chosen you yep. to bring it to them. Yep. Not by preaching a sermon. Like I know I'm up here and I'm, and I'm teaching a, a lesson and I, and I hope you guys understand some of what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I, I hope I haven't gone too long over my time. And I hope that hey, I've been an, an effective speaker, an effective communicator. I hope you can hear me in the back and all that. But none of that matters at the end of the day if I don't know how to kneel before the Father and request day and night that you as well as, as, well as the rest of the world that, that God may help them know the love of Christ, that he may help them grasp the love of Christ. Because what are we here for if not for his love. Yeah. Um, and so, Perry's, Perry's gonna, gonna give some practicals, um, but, but before he comes up, I, I just wanna, wanna say, like, as you even hear his, his practicals, as you even hear him talk about, okay, how, how you're doing it, uh, you know, whether it's, on a mountain or, or in, your, in, your, in your room, in your closet somewhere, or wherever, um, you know, you're imagining, okay, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put into practice this prayer. I, I want you to remember this, that your prayers are going to help men be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Yeah. Come on, Barry. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, filled to the measure of the fullness of God.
Um, I love how he said the, the power of prayer is to not only to help us see the love of Jesus and the love of God, but to help the world see it. Uh, men who do not pray will not show the world God. I don't care how well you can preach a lesson. I don't care how good you are at sharing your faith. Um, and here's the thing. God might use your trifling selves, okay, and some of the things you do when you're trifling. Uh, you know, uh, Jacob's brothers are trifling, right? But what did Jacob say in the end, right? Or not Jacob. Uh, Joseph, what did he say in the end? God used their sin to save lives. So even though you might be trifling, uh, and even though, you know, God might use some of the things you do, but you personally, right? That's what I'm talking about. Men who do not pray uh, cannot be filled to the measure of God. Uh, and therefore, their lives will not show people who God is. I'm going to read two scriptures, and we're going to draw some practicals from these scriptures about prayer. The first uh, is in Luke chapter 10. This is a scripture about prayer. Now hear me out uh, as I say this. This is a scripture about prayer in Luke, uh, Luke 10. You guys have heard this story before. In verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord... Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. This is a scripture about prayer. Uh, and it's a, it's a mind-boggling scripture to me. Um, I, I think most of us, well, I don't know all of you guys, but I think, especially me being in ministry, and this is something I've been learning, um, I can fall into the Martha mindset. I feel like I need to do stuff, right? Um, I feel like, and, and, and I, I feel like I do some spiritual stuff, Right? I need to have my quiet time, and I, I need to go on campus, and I need to share my faith, and I need to preach well, and I need to have good discipling relationships. There's a lot of stuff that we need to do, and stuff that I can worry myself with, and stuff that I can think to myself, if I'm not doing these things, then I won't be able to build the kingdom well, or people aren't going to be saved. Uh, but when we have that mindset, what we begin to do is we put ourselves in the place of God. Not that we shouldn't be doing these things, but that we falsely believe that it's because we do these things that the fruit comes. Let me say that again. We falsely believe that it's because we do these things that the fruit comes. Or should I say that the fruit grows? Let me ask you guys a question. Who makes the fruit grow? Now, we have a responsibility. But God makes the fruit grow. The bigger question is, what is that fruit? And you don't have to answer that. I want you to think about that. I think the quick answer is, you know, making disciples. I think that is a fruit, what it's talking about here. But we see Martha doing a lot of stuff. 
And I don't think it was bad stuff. She was trying to serve Jesus, trying very hard to serve Jesus. But her sister Mary's just chilling. Right? I, I like the image. Martha running around and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet looking at him like. And I don't know if Jesus was talking or preaching or what yet. It doesn't say what he was doing. But she was just sitting there enjoying his presence. And Martha gets angry. Like, like Jesus, for real? Like, clearly she's lazy. Like, why are you going to let her sit there and just not do anything when clearly I'm the one who deserves your attention? I'm doing all the work. I'm the hard worker here. Right? And Jesus says, no. You, you've, you've missed the point. You've made your, your purpose uh, about your busyness. Mary sees that this, me and her just being together, it's what's most important. My first practical is you need to stop. You need to take time and stop trying to race to get into heaven. Stop trying to race to get people in the waters of baptism. You need to stop and enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop and bask in His grace. Hebrews 12, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Stop. Take time to just sit. And look, I'm not telling you to just like stop everything and never go out and do the work. There is work required, right? And, and we need to do things. But oftentimes, we weigh that heavier than our relationship with God. We need to stop. That's the first practical here. And I say this is a scripture about prayer because what Mary is doing here, this is what prayer is all about. Sitting at Jesus' feet and being with him. Right? But I say it's about prayer because Luke, when he's writing this, uh, it, it, it's not just a coincidence that the very next scripture is about Jesus doing what Mary is doing with him, with God. Listen to this. 11 verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And he says to them, and it's the scripture that, uh, it's the same prayer that J.J. just read and he went through. Right? But after he says his prayer, he says, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is, uh, because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. This is the same kind of story that we see with the persistent widow, right? Uh, the woman who, uh, she's fighting against someone who's unjust, but because she's persistent, the guy responds, all right? But let's keep going. In verse 9, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, I'm going to point out here what we typically think this means, right? 
This makes us think sometimes that, okay, if we have enough faith, this scripture says that if we ask, we will receive what we want. It doesn't necessarily say you will receive what you want. It says if you ask, you will receive. If you knock, the door will be open. But what's behind the door? Is it a girlfriend? Right? Is it more money? Is it that you get into the college that you want to or get the job that you want, the career that you want? What is behind? We look at the scripture oftentimes and we think what's behind the door, what we're going to receive is what we want. What does this scripture say we're going to receive? Verse 11. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now look, I don't know if this this is going to upset you guys or not. Right? It's like the the guy who broke through the roof because he was a cripple. And he gets down there in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, uh, your sins are forgiven. I, I, I kind of have an issue with that story. Because if I'm a cripple, I'm like, bruh, I didn't come. Look, like, I'm happy you took care of the whole afterlife and stuff. You know, as a Jew, I don't even know what he really thought about the afterlife. I, you know, if you read in the Old Testament, the whole heaven and hell thing wasn't there. So the guy's like, my sins are forgiven. I'm still crippled. Right? And we laugh, but that's how we, that is how we treat God often. And it's how we interpret this scripture that, hold on, God. Like, the Holy Spirit is cool and all, and you're taking care of my kind of uh, religiosity, my Jesus, you know, whatever. But I'm trying to get me a female. You know what I'm saying? I need some more money. Like, help me out in the here and the now. And if you go back to Matthew 6, God's like, do you not think I can take care of these small things? But what I'm trying to teach you is there are things that are far more important than these small things. Far more important than the fact that if you never get a girlfriend, if you never get the career you want, if you never have enough money in your bank account, sitting at Jesus' feet is the most valuable thing you can ever have. Do you feel that way? You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the old covenant and how uh, we have a new opportunity that we no longer have to go through all the sacrifices and kill animals and shed blood and go, you know, before priests. and th- We don't have to do all that. That we have an unhindered relationship with God that we can, without anything else, because we have the Holy Spirit, we have perfect intimacy with Him. We can always do what Mary was doing. So why don't we do it always? If Jesus really is the most wonderful thing ever, why don't we do it always? My next practical is talk. You know, we see Mary sitting and she stops. But then when they ask him about prayer, he says, yeah, but, but I, I do want you to say some things. Right? And uh, like I said, JJ just went through the Lord's prayer. And I, and I will say this. I was listening to something the other day. And Jesus does say to pray that prayer. Um, I like to see it as kind of like a, an outline. So when I pray, I kind of go through the, di- di- the different points he makes. Uh, but I, I, don't, I don't think it is a bad thing to pray just 
this specifically, once or twice a day. Keep it in mind. Keep your, your mind focused and, and engaged on the kinds of things that Jesus wants you to pray for. Does that make sense? But I'm going to go uh, stop and talk, right? But then I'm going to go this whole talk practical here. We're going to jump to James. I'm going to close out here. We're going to walk through uh, the practicals that James gives us. And again, I believe this is a scripture about prayer. And if, you, if, I'm, confusing when, if I'm confusing you when I say that, what I want you to understand is... Prayer is how we have the most intimacy with God. So when you find a scripture about being intimate with God, I see that as a scripture about prayer. Uh, and if you don't like praying, I'm going to be straight up with you. You do not like being intimate, intimate with God. That's, that's just how it works. Uh, and, and if you, you know, don't cry about it. You know, you can grow in your prayer. I love how the disciples came to him humble. Hey, teach us to do this thing. We don't really know how. We don't know the purpose. Of, teach us how to do it. Be humble. Don't think because you grew up in a Christian household your whole life that you should be perfect at prayer. We all can grow in this thing, and it's something that you can grow in. Communication is always something we need to be growing in. And, and you know, for those of you who God will bless with a girlfriend or a wife one day, you're always going to be growing in that communication. Amen? <laughs> Uh, and, and, ask, and ask the people who are in your life who have been doing it longer, teach us how to communicate, right? Teach us how to pray. In and, and James 4, verse 1, listen to this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James, right here, summarizes everything I just said. Right? And I love how he's talking about fights and quarrels amongst each other. He's not necessarily talking about fights with God, quarreling with God. No, but here's the deal. Your relationship with God will always be reflected in your relationship with people. So if you're having a beef with somebody, if you're having trouble with somebody, if you guys are fighting and quarreling, yeah. guess who you're fighting and quarreling with? With God. So then he gives you practicals on prayer. Because if you know how to pray well, you'll know how to love well. If you know how to communicate with God well, you know how to communicate with people well. So this is, it all goes back to us being in the right relationship with God, which is simply what righteousness is, right? So let's see the, the practicals. He gives us verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Why does he bring this idea up of being a friend of the world? He's talking about fighting and quarreling. Why is it? Because, again, this is about being a friend of God. Right? You guys know the song. I am a friend of God. Right? The whole idea of who am I that you would be mindful of me? But he's mindful of you. He wants to be with you. So it's not about, it's about rejecting the world and choosing God above all else. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he calls to live in us envies intensely? He wants us, guys. He wants us. But he gives us more grace. He overlooks your sins. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Here's my next practical. Submit yourselves to God. 
understand who he is, have the right perspective. JJ already mentioned that. And understand who you are. And yield yourself to him. Not my will be done. Not what I want from the world. But what you want, God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? Come near to God and he will come near to you. Repent from your sins. Run far away from the things in your life that hinder you from being with Jesus. Repent, guys. You really need to get open and confess your sins and repent. Uh, Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. And this is my final practical. Be open and vulnerable and willing to transform. Stop. Talk. Submit yourselves to God. Understand who He is and understand who you are. Give yourself wholly to Him. Repent from your sins. Resist the devil. And be open, vulnerable, and willing to transform. The whole open and vulnerable thing, it goes back to real communication. God wants to know your heart. If you, if you again... If you have a girlfriend or you have a wife one day, it is going to be, as a guy, th- these are your basic two emotions, hunger and anger. And hunger is not an emotion, right? So when your girlfriend or your wife asks you, how are you doing? Hungry is not the correct answer. And angry is not the correct answer. She wants to know, and we are not good at really opening ourselves up like this. But we need to get good at it, and we need to get good at it, not only with each other, but with God as well. Don't just laugh all the time and think everything's a joke. And think it, no, be willing to grieve and to mourn and to cry before God. Cast your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And finally, it says, humble yourself and He will lift you up. The full measure of Christ. When we do these things, we will not only know the love of Jesus, but we will become more like Jesus. And honestly, guys, that is the end of prayer. Yes. The end of prayer is us becoming more like Christ so that we can help other people be more like Christ. Amen? Amen. Sorry I went over time, guys, but that is our lesson, and thank you for coming. uh, I'm actually going to close this out in a word of prayer. I'd be remiss to not do that in a lesson about prayer. Uh, But then we're going to head over uh, back to the old barn. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. So much for giving us this opportunity to be with you, God, and, and to not have to be so overwhelmed with all the tasks because we, we get tasks all the time. But I pray that we can see the value of being like Mary and, and sitting at your feet and just looking at how beautiful you are and how wonderful your words sound, God, and how amazing your grace is, God. Help us to just enjoy you. Let you be the full desire of our hearts, God, and teach us. Not just today, but every single day, God. In every moment, God, constantly teach us to pray. Teach us to come to you, to draw near to you, uh, and to really partake in your divine nature. In your son Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.